Hey everyone, this is 80s wrestling fan Brian, back for another episode of Legendary Wrestling Figures. I'm excited to have my friend Tim from Pulling Up a Chair back on the show. Uh, Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing good, 80s wrestling fan Brian. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Hey, uh, I, I was in Walmart the other day and I saw a figure that I wanted, and I'm not a mint on card guy, I'm somebody that opens up my figures. But I hadn't seen that Andre the Giant in his, uh, you know, I'm talking to you uh, outfit <laughs> where he uh, pulls the chain off Hogan's chest. I'd never seen that in person, and I didn't want to pay 27, 28 bucks in shipping to ringside. So I was excited when I saw it at Walmart. They only had one, the box was smashed up. Um, and again, I'm not a, a box guy, I open them up. But the damn prices had gone up and, and they were it was like $24.15. And so I it was hard to do, but I passed it up and I skipped it. Um, what have, have you been to uh, out shopping figures lately? What have you uh, noticed or ha have you had any recent purchases or anything? Um, yeah, I'm constantly out on the prowl and uh, sometimes I'm buying them for myself and sometimes I'm buying them for other people. But uh yeah, the prices have definitely gone up. I think you're right. The Walmart seems to be somewhere in that. I, I think I got three figures the other day, and it was like on the high of 75 bucks. But um, what do you think Andre the Giant would say about those prices? I'm here for one reason. <laughs> <laughs> to challenge you for the pricing of these wrestling figures. <laughs> oh, man, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you said you were here for one reason i was oh my god is he is, is he still alive and he got him on the phone what's going on here <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I you know it's that one in particular when i saw they came out with it and then they had the chase version i'm like i don't need the chase i want that checkered jacket the pink shirt the uh the blue pants i want i want that andre and and like I say, it's just I've, I've started having to draw the line a little bit and, and I'll probably be upset at myself later. But uh, I, I wish he was at Target because at least at Target, you see a lot of these go on clearance. And, and uh, you know, I saw a Dingo Warrior at, at Target that I had purchased when he was uh, oh, twenty one ninety nine or twenty two ninety nine, And, uh, and you know, jumping up a dollar fifteen at Walmart for Andre sounds petty. It's just I, I hate that trend. And then and the other day at Target, I saw they had like two or three of the Dingo Warrior Ultimate Warrior figures, and they were six fifty nine. I'm just like, ah, if I'd waited and played the long game, I could have saved some some cash there. So oh man, yeah, the Dingo Warrior, um, the Hulk Hogan. I'm trying to think, there's a few of them at Walmart that are just. I've been in. I go into. I always say I probably go into more Walmarts than anybody else in the in the hobby because I just because of my job I'm fortunate enough to live in the Bay Area or work in the Bay Area and uh, I sometimes send the map out that shows all the targets in my territory and there's I don't get to all of them but there's probably like forty or something in in the wow. area that I travel so I'm just you know when something drops I just I'm able to just jump in and jump out but i've seen some heartbreaking stashes of like those dingo warriors where you go in and there's one or two shelves that are probably five six figures wide by five deep and they're all warrior and uh 
And I think that's happening with the that Bash of the Beach kind of look in Hogan and a couple of the other ones. So, yeah, if you play the long game at Target, it seems like that seems to be the trend that most collectors are catching on to now. Um, and every now and then there's a series where uh, one or two of the figures is really sought after and goes away. But it seems like, like on this newest set, it looks like Brother Love and the um, – Nation of Domination guys. It looks like the whole set's going to be easy picking. So, if if they're not that important to people, they could probably hold off and they'll get them at six, seven bucks. I've been wanting to get the Brother Love, and I haven't seen him yet. I've seen the others, but not Brother Love, and and I, so I'm, I'm still kind of kicking it around. But I think I'll if I see that, I'll probably pick it up. Which uh, which three did you get recently when you went to Walmart? Oh boy. Um, what did I get? I got a, uh, I got a Gunther, the Typhoon, um, uh, what are they calling those guys? The, the kind of superstars, the, Remco, I think? the superstars. Yeah. I got a Typhoon and I'm going off a of memory here. Um, who else did I get in there? I can't think of the third figure, but I, yeah, I got three figures and I was surprised to see, I didn't have the heart to go put the Typhoon back down, but, uh, I was surprised that those are even, I think we're over the $20 mark now. So it's, yeah, I don't know if that's a Mattel thing or a, or a Walmart and target thing. I would think it's a Walmart thing because, you know, if, if it was a Mattel thing, I don't think target could put figures on clearance for six bucks. I mean, that's probably what they're paying for them is what I would imagine. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if they're selling them at a loss and it's just one of those corporate things where they just want to clear the space and they don't care. But uh, Fire sale. But, but yeah, it seems like Walmart, does, I, I don't know. The problem with our Walmart is uh, several years ago, the town I'm in, Chico, they, they, they decided to turn Walmart down on having a superstore. So I feel like Walmart intentionally has the one that we have just in the worst uh, condition of any <laughs> for like a hundred miles. <laughs> it's like, it's like they, they're like, okay, you guys aren't going to put in a superstore. Then we're going to just uh, have the most rundown Walmart for a hundred miles in your town. So ours is uh, when you go to the price uh, scanners to see, it's like they're broken and, and everything's just, it's, it's pretty crappy. So uh, I don't know that they put stuff on clearance often. If they do, they don't mark it on the on the tag, and and it's just it's not a desirable Walmart to go to. Yeah, slide in my DMs, man. Shoot me your address, and um, when, when I come across these figures, if I if I find the ones you're looking for, I'll shoot them out your way. Right on. If there's any that I'm uh, that I can't miss, I will definitely hit you up. Um, yes, sir. Did you? Uh, did you happen to see that uh, four pack of uh, Mattels with with Hogan and Becky Lynch and Steve Austin and Rocky Maivia at uh, at the Targets? And did you pick any of those up before they changed the logo? Yeah, I did actually. I got that set, and uh, that was one of those ones you pick up, and it's eighty bucks, and you're going, "Oh my god, that's a that's a kick to the stomach." But it is four figures, and you figure, well, if I bought four figures, that's kind of the going rate. So I did buy the box, and um, and then I and I had no idea that there was that whole controversy with the sixty-year thing or whatever. So I originally I had planned to open it, but now I'm probably gonna keep that one in the box. And I didn't really originally. I just wanted the uh, the Becky and the Hogan. Uh, 
but the Austin looks so good, man. That's one of the better head scans that I think I've seen. So now I kind of want that one too. The, the Rocky Maivia is the only one that's, I wasn't a Rocky Maivia fan or anything. So that one just doesn't mean anything to me, but uh, it's a great looking figure if you're in the Rocky. Yeah. I was kind of surprised they went with that look and then, um, uh... Somebody had said that at one point that set that was discontinued was up to like 260 bucks on eBay. And that would be the, the point at which I'd be like, okay, I think I, I'm not like <laughs> into flipping figures, but I think that might've been like, Hmm, I think I might just flip this and buy it in the new set for myself and, and actually turn a profit on it. It'd be tough to, tough to pass that up if I had it. So. Now, now yeah. I'm probably getting the wheels turning for you, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. It's it, I because the 60 year anniversary thing doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I don't need to have that in my collection, so it'd probably be a good idea to take the money and run. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. Oh. The uh, and then it, this was the 35th anniversary of the first SummerSlam. Um, I, I, I'm guessing. Did you graduate in like '91 or '92? 92. 92. Okay. So you were a year ahead of me. I was a small kid and my mom uh, didn't have me start school until I turned six that summer and started in kindergarten. So I graduated 93. But for me, that first SummerSlam, uh, it was the first day of eighth grade. I'm guessing for you, it was the first day of your uh, freshman year in high school. So do you remember being nervous about going to uh, high school and excited about SummerSlam 88 at the same time? Unfortunately, I don't have any memory of that. Um, definitely have memories of being nervous about going to high school, but I don't remember SummerSlam kind of helping cattle pull me through it. Yeah, it was uh, for me, it was this thing where I'd always remember being like dreading when I'd start seeing back to school commercials in like late July. I would just, uh, you know, buying your school supplies. It would always you know, signal that your summer was ending. So it was always this dreaded thing for me of having to go back to school and then SummerSlam started kicking off and it was the the first day of school. So it kind of cushioned the blow to be able to, to go to school and on the first day and then come home that night and, and check out SummerSlam. But, uh, but yeah, SummerSlam 88, uh, two more matches than this uh, uh, new show they just had 35 years later. Um, but they, uh, even with two more matches, they were able to keep it under three hours. That was something where I, I thought that the Roman, uh, Jey Uso match ran a little long and could have been trimmed down for sure. Yeah, I think, I think they were trying to hit one out of the park and maybe we just went a little long. Yep. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, as far as the SummerSlam 88, like I say, I, I also, the, the misses on that card for me were just, I thought that they should have had either the Bulldogs or the Rougeos win starting the match off with a 20 minute draw or the card off with a 20 minute draw was just kind of anticlimactic after you're like anticipating this show. The, and it, and then they start off with the draw. And I also, uh, I didn't like seeing uh, Don Morocco get beat by Dino Bravo um, I think it's something where he went to slam him and he banged his legs into the official and it threw him off balance and Bravo hit the side slam for the pin. But those were the, the two matches that kind of bugged me on that card. But, um, you know, I was over the moon for ultimate warriors title win over honky tonk at the time. I was I, honky tonk was such a great heel that I, I love seeing him lose. <laughs> and then, uh, 
the mega powers, mega bucks, of course, was was super special as well. Yeah, I, I remember Honky back in the locker room afterwards saying something like, I said I'd agree to wrestle any man. I didn't agree to wrestle a warrior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> so I, I was going to ask you, because you, you're really good with all the kind of the dates and the history of the stuff that my poor brain seems to be forgetting over these uh, years and years. But so the Rougeos against the Bulldogs was in – in this first uh, SummerSlam in 88. And that's the year that uh, Jacques and Dynamite had that altercation or a couple altercations where Jacques ended up clocking him with a roll of coins backstage and knocking his teeth out and all that. Do you, do you know, was that before or after the SummerSlam? It happened uh, shortly after. And uh, I've heard Arn Anderson talking about the day that he and Tully went to the WWF. Um, somebody asked him about ribs in the, you know, getting practical jokes and stuff played on him. And he said that the day they went to WWF and showed up at TV, I want to say it was at Indianapolis and they got there like right as that happened. And so, oh. yeah, it was like the same card where um, basically Jacques had been uh, harassed by dynamite in particular for quite a while. And, and I think that his back was too uh, was too dynamite, and dynamite came up from behind him and and smacked him across the jaw from behind, and ended up uh, uh, hurting uh, Jacques pretty good. And and I want to say Raymond was um, like a legit tough guy, like boxer type, but had an injury at the time. And Raymond was like, "Well, you got to stand up for yourself." And so. Jacques took it on his own. And I want to say that the pot was stirred by Kurt Hennig as far as getting these, these guys mad at each other. Like he'd done huh. something where he blamed uh, Jacques Rougeau to the, to the Rougeaus. And Kurt was the one playing cards with, uh, with Jacques when, when dynamite came up and hit him from behind. So then, so then, yeah, Jacques knew that he couldn't take dynamite on his own, but he figured if I get a roll of quarters, I can, I can uh, wait till the time is right. And, uh, and he knocked out a bunch of his teeth. And, and so, yeah, it happened between SummerSlam and Survivor Series. And I know at the Survivor Series, um, the Ruchos were super worried about something happening. Um, but that's basically when, when Dynamite and, and took off. As, I think his last match was at the Survivor Series. And they, uh, and they told the Ruchos they'd have them. I think they got eliminated first at Survivor Series so they could like get out of Dodge before – potentially anything could happen with the Bulldogs getting uh, revenge. And so, so yeah, it was all in that era between uh, SummerSlam and Survivor Series that that actually happened. And, and apparently like Vince called everybody in uh, all four of them and, and made them all agree that that that's where it ended. And he told everybody all the ribbing stops from here on out. So Huh. Uh, so one thing Arn Anderson said is they got there and there weren't any ribs because that had happened that day and and Vince put the kibosh on all the ribs and and stuff going on so that nothing like that would happen again. You know, it's interesting is uh, watching that match. You'll you may notice, or at least I feel like I noticed that uh, Dynamite doesn't really do much in the ring with shock in that match. He's in there mostly with Raymond there that the way the tag sequences occur is like, it's mostly uh dynamite and, and Raymond, not, not too much with Jacques. And so 
I was watching that kind of thinking, I wonder if, uh, I wonder if there was already bad blood boiling and that's why they weren't working together. I wonder if it already happened and that's why they weren't working together. I was like trying to read their mannerisms towards each other and see if I could pick up doing a little sleuth detective work. (laughs) Yeah. I think it had been going on for a little while. And I also, I think that Vince even um, said, Hey, I'm going to have every, I'm going to talk to everyone. And Jacques knew that he needed now was the time that he needed just to sucker punch dynamite before they got talked to. So like he, he made sure that he was able to uh, get the punch in before Vince talked to everyone. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 The, the other thing I noticed on there was that um, uh, dynamite had his, uh, his union Jack tights on backwards. And I, I always wondered if that was intentional or, uh, you know, was getting dressed and just pulled them on and, and said, we got to go, dude. It's too late. You got to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. It, that was a weird thing. And I don't remember that happening any time other than that. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, if we look at uh, a couple more LJN figures, um, what do you think about the uh, Jimmy Snuka and what kind of, five star or less rating would you give to the Jimmy Snuka LJN figure? Yeah. So I always liked the Snuka figure. Uh, it was one of the first ones I got. And um, I, I, you know, he was, I thought he was pretty good. The LJN figures, I think the thing that's hard sometimes to retrospect retrospectively um, keep in mind is that, they weren't really to scale. So in other words, like Hulk Hogan's figure, you know, if they were in scale, his arms would have been a lot more like big John studs or something. Um, So they were kind of just like, I always felt like they were just like random artists that were making stuff independent of the other figures in a way. Maybe that's the most concisely I can put that. Yeah. Especially when you put like Valentine next to Hogan or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so I used to kind of be bothered by that a little bit more, but now, you know, understanding that more, um, uh, I thought the figure was really good. Um, it had the straight legs, didn't have the bent legs, didn't have to, I guess, cause he's not that big. Um, I give, uh, Snook a 3.8. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous that you were able to find him by the time I was collecting, he was nowhere to be found in stores. So I only, there was one kid that my, uh, my friend Eric and I knew that had him and that kid just beat the heck out of his figures. So the snooker he had, had traded paint all over him, but uh, I was always jealous of anybody that had that snooker figure. So glad I have one now and 3.8 is definitely respectable. Um, what do you think about junkyard dog and his figure and which color chain did the junkyard dog you had growing up have? Uh, so I had the silver chain one or the gray or what, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, that that's the one that I got. Uh, I thought this figure was awesome. This is one of my favorite, um, at least in the earlier sets. Um, the dog always kind of did that punch where he put his left hand out and he cock his right hand back. And, and this, you could actually do that with this figure, which probably, uh, if anyone's listening to this, that didn't grow up in that era is th- probably thinking, well, why is that a big deal? Well, if you ever played with LJN figures, you you'll know why that's a big deal. But um, great for the headbutt and and awesome for the uh, for the power slam. So 
Um, yeah, so I I was a big fan of uh, JYD's figure. I'd give this one a four point five. Yeah, I love that figure. Aside from uh, you know him and Hulk are probably the two best for slamming people. It's just a uh, JYD would be perfect, like you say, for a power slam. And and so I love the uh, the stance. The other thing I always I never did actually break one of those dog collars with the chain. But I was always afraid I was going to break it, so I usually just left it on him instead of trying to take it on and put it back on again, or you know, take it yeah. off and put it back on again. I don't know if you were the same way, like worried about breaking it, or or if you were taking it off and on. Yeah, I tried to rig it around his neck to the point where it was like on there, but not clamped back together, so that I could easily. And then I'd I'd end up getting mad when it wouldn't hold, then it would fall off, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that figure for sure. I, I didn't realize the black and the red chain variants uh, were out there until about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, and I'd never seen them back then. So uh, I was able to pick up uh, each of those. But um, but the gray, gray silver, that always made the most sense to me anyway. So Yeah, I had a buddy with the red chain. I never saw the black one, but um, yeah, what a great, what a great figure. And I love the... Uh, the different color tights that you've done on your, uh, on your paint jobs, man. Yeah. The, uh, the white is, uh, is really fun. And then I had a guy that, uh, had gotten a couple figures from me in the past and, uh, and he wanted basically they're for his 12 year old son who's getting into these figures. And so, uh, when I was about to paint the JYD for him, I said, Hey, I haven't done a light blue. Uh, I can do the white or I can do light blue. Which one would you like? And he's, Oh, let's do the light blue. And it, it turned out really cool. So, uh, I need to do a, a light blue version of that for myself as well. Yeah. Him and him and honky tonk, man. Uh, it's kind of interesting because in the Mattel scale figures, they kind of have the same body. Yeah. Um, and they both got the white, the red, the, well, dog doesn't have the light blue. They kind of messed up and gave him a darker blue, I think, or may, I don't know if they messed up, but I don't, I'm not familiar with the darker blue that they gave him, but, uh, yeah, they, it's kind of fun cause they've got the same build, the same body parts and the Mattels. Um, and they, they have all the fun, uh, different variants that you can make. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that dark blue on the Mattel either. So I was glad when I, I think I ordered that one. And I can't remember if I, um, if I ended up buying, no, I did. I got the one that I ordered, but I was afraid I would get that dark blue. And I just wanted the red to match my, uh, my LJN. So, so yep. yeah, I, I don't know where the dark blue came from either. So I did a, I did a little part switch where I'm, I'm working on my light blue, uh, Mattel JYD. So I'm, I took hon a honky and, uh, took them apart and put the JYD upper, you know, body onto the, uh, the, the light blue the legs. Yeah. The light blue legs, but, uh, there is a little bit of a weird height thing. There's some of the parts don't jive. So it's a, it's like, uh, all my other customs are work in progress. Yeah, I get, I'm, I'm always afraid on those, uh, like I'll pop the head, even popping the head off, I'm afraid like something's going to break. Have you ever had any disasters where a figure breaks as you're doing something like that? No, actually the, the, the newer figures, you don't even have to heat the head. They just, they, you just pull them and they'll come off. Um, the pin, yeah, the head not so much. I mean like the, the body, is it something where you get a little nervous oh. pulling that harder? 
Yeah, it, it takes practice. So I always recommend anybody that's going to do it to get some figures you don't care about, you know, maybe some basics or something and just trial and error. Some guys use the uh, the hairdryer method and some guys use the boiling water. I've always used the boiling water just because uh, I feel like I can control it a little bit better than I can. The, uh, the, the hair dryer, I don't really have any idea if it's hot enough or not. In the, the boiling water, I know I've got a formula for when I see the water at a certain temperature, I know I've got to my point there. So, yeah, the, the older ones were really stubborn. They, they put a lot of glue on them, and they were really hard to get apart, and you'd stress crack them if you didn't do it right. Um, the newer ones seem to be a little bit easier to pry apart. Good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, before I, before I let you go, I want to give a shout out to uh, Jeff from Fully Posable and Scott from Fully Posable. Um, I've been listening to their show lately, and uh, it's highly entertaining. And then Jeff always uh, also is uh, joined up with Brian Breaker on TB Toycast, and and they just they get along real real really well. And and these guys are so knowledgeable on the all these different toy lines. They really do their homework before the episode. So I've been enjoying TV Toycast and Fully Posable lately. Just wanted to shout out both of those shows. And so I don't know if uh, if uh, similar to last time, if you want to piggyback or if there's anybody you'd like to give a shout out to. Yeah, man, shout out to Fully Posable for sure. Uh, I've been listening to those guys for quite a while, and. I've- I had the pleasure of uh, being on their show and um, Scott's been on my show and we're hopefully one of these days, Jeff will do it too. And um, you didn't happen to ask Jeff what his record is against me on fantasy baseball this year. Did you? <laughs> I will make a point of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually I'm getting destroyed. So I'm just, I'm just, having a little fun, but, um, yeah, they're great guys and, uh, they've been a big help for me and, uh, I would have never started having a podcast except for them. So, uh, I big love to the tune brothers and, uh, and then breaker, I've had a chance to talk to you too. And, um, I was on his podcast and had him on mine as well. So, uh, he's a great guy and I, he, to me, he's like the professional podcaster. He's like kind of the Conrad. I always see he's the Conrad Thompson of, uh, of our, of our hobby here. He's got all these podcasts and he, he does them all professionally. So great guy and a wealth of knowledge. So shout out to breaker and also his uh, partner, Bane breaker and Bane power. I got to him. I haven't, uh, I haven't heard any episodes with him yet. I got into the game a little late. So I've heard the, uh, the TV uh, toy cast with him and, and Jeff primarily. So I got to go to some back uh, episodes and listen to Bane also. Yeah. And then I can't recommend enough. Go, go out of your way to go check out uh no holds barred with Bill Benis um, podcast. That's, that's a, a load of fun as well. So um, yeah. Shout out to breaker Bane and the tunes. Awesome, man. Yeah. I wish uh, I know you've got um, now I'm trying to remember um were you uh you were an only child i can't remember no i got an older brother okay that's what i was gonna say at first and i didn't want to go there how how much older is your brother um my brother is uh four years older than i am all right so yeah it's me and my brother he's my brother's three or seven months younger uh when i hear jeff and scott it's just like hmm man 
yeah, I can't imagine. You know, it's really cool that a couple brothers can get along so good and uh, and have such nice rapport on a on a show. And and I love my brother, but it's uh, I, I don't have that kind of rapport where we could do a, a cool wrestling figure podcast or action figure podcast like those guys do. So so that's uh, that's really special for those guys to be able to get along that well. Yeah, they've got a real special chemistry together, um, and it's not for the show, I can tell you that. I mean, it, it works great on the show, but even uh, off the show, they just they do get along really well, and they're both the nicest guys in the world. I mean, they're just um, – they've been really inclusive, and just uh, they welcomed me into this whole thing with arms wide open, and uh, I, I can't say enough good things about them. Awesome. Uh, Tim, it's, it's always so much fun and so nice talking to you. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure every time I get to speak with you and I thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. It's so sad. It has to come to an end, man. We'll do it again soon though. Hit me up anytime. I really I appreciate you having me on. It's, uh, it, like I say, uh, I, I've got my favorite podcast and you're, you're right in there with them now. I'm really enjoying what you're doing and all the guests you've had, uh, the ones you mentioned this week and the last time I was on, but, uh, but you've also turned me on to some guys that I never knew. And so that's been a blast too. So keep up the good work, brother. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you, Tim. Um, thank you. Yeah, awesome. I will talk to you again soon. And, uh, uh, 80s wrestling fan, Brian here for legendary wrestling figures. Uh, everybody out there, uh, take care and thank you so much for listening.